Bloody Elbow presents Care Don't Care, the show that determines the most and least interesting fights on upcoming UFC events and sometimes strays outside of MMA into general pop culture. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes, John S. Nash, and Eugene S. Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of Care Don't Care, the show that previews the week's upcoming UFC events by determining which fights are hot and which fights are not. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm normally joined by Eugene S. Robinson, author of Fight, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Ass-Kicking, But We're Afraid You Get Your Ass Kicked for Asking, and host of the Show Stomper podcast, co-host of the If the Shoe Fits podcast, and owner and operator of the Eugene S. Robinson Substack. Now, I gave you all of his information because he's going to be away from us for the next uh, two weeks. So we'll be operating the show without him, but we do have his picks. Now, I'm also joined by John Nash, host of the Show Money podcast, co-host of the If the Shoe Fits podcast, owner and operator of the brand new Hey Not the Face podcast, and Bloody Elbow's chief financial columnist. Now, today we are looking ahead to UFC 280. But first, let's take a look and see how we fared on last night's card. Tell me, how many fights did you watch, John? Because I saw you watching the boxing. <laughs> I did. I watched the. I did watch uh, the two fights that I put a care down for. So I watched those two fights on the UFC, and the rest I, I ended up skipping because there's just so much going on yesterday. So. But that means because my two fights picks were accurate, I am guessing that I once again came out on top for you the did. week. You did. I went Look. two and two. And well, actually, yeah, no, I went uh, one and two because the Askarov fight was was canceled, so that mm. doesn't count. And uh Eugene went one and one. So I went two and uh, one and two. You went two and oh. Again, again, yeah. my lead gets bigger and bigger every week. Hush your mouth, man. I'm having yeah. a terrible year this year. I'm <laughs> well, having terrible on yeah. the bloody elbow picks, too, and that's easier to do. Oh, man. Well, you know, not, not, not everybody can be as talented as me at randomly throwing a dart at the board. Oh, shut your mouth. <laughs> Oh, did you notice too? Just to, for people out there, though, there's a great website that keeps track of this for me. I have it like uh, bookmarked on every computer I use. It's uh, workshyindividual.com. <laughs> it, it was redone again. It has a new color scheme and everything. Oh. It's, very, it's very exciting when I come to that and I see that. <laughs> All right. We are going to go ahead and start looking at last night's card. We're going to work our way from the top down. We go in reverse order. So let's talk about Alexa Grasso defeating Viviani Araujo. A lot of people were complaining about this fight, but I didn't have a problem with it. I think Alexa Grasso has some of the crispiest, crunchiest boxing. And you know what? Viviani Araujo didn't look too bad either. I thought it was, um, it wasn't the most entertaining, but it didn't put me to sleep either. How did you see it? Well, I mean, it, it there's a lot of action, not action, but a lot of activity going on in the fight. But I didn't, I wasn't drawn in because I didn't feel like anyone, there was ever any drama. Like no one took over and came back. Right. It was just constant stuff happening. And I think it also paled. So I, I did, I, I agree with the other people. I kind of got bored in the fight. I just watched it and I couldn't, and at the end I couldn't figure out who I thought won because I wasn't paying that attention to the each round. But I think it also pales because you had, Really, two exciting boxing. I don't know how many people watched it, but I did the Baumgarten and the Shields fights earlier in the day, and those were really exciting for me. They back much more back and forth, even though it was kind of clear that you know Shields was going to beat Marshall and stuff. But but I guess in comparison, we get to the I get to that morning boxing of fights that were just kind of very interesting, exciting, and there's these great the walkouts were amazing and all that stuff. And then he got to this, and it just was just just I don't want to I don't want to bad mouth because it, it wasn't like a bad fight, but there was no drama in the fight. That's true, though it is one of the things that you could absolutely see in this is that both girls were determined. Neither one was afraid of the other. They stood right in front of each other too. It, there wasn't no hunting and seeking, running around, or anything like that. They just planted and started swinging. I did have Grasso winning. 
but I did not, there, there was a scorecard for her, maybe even two, but I know at least one was 50, 45. I did not have the fight that I had it 48, 47, easily, possibly 49, 46. Now I don't agree with the people out there that say that it was a draw. That, that is not true. Grasso did more damage. She had the more impactful punches. Her punches ma- seemed to matter more. So um, that's how I saw the fight. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I Again, my big problem was it was that I didn't feel like anyone really threatened the other one. Even though there were, there were constant attacks, no one was being lazy or, you know, mm-hmm. timid in the fight. You know, there was stuff happening. But I never felt that someone was in serious danger from the other one. I mean, maybe there was, and I'm just not remembering properly. But that, I just, it just felt like a fight, like a lot of activity, but not anything really, really definitive happening in the fight for me to score. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, both women have tough chins because there were a few punches thrown on both sides that were hard punches that, you know, definitely will leave a mark. We'll say that. But I I didn't have a problem with the fight. I do feel that this whole card stayed under the radar. It It never emerged into the daylight, I don't feel like. I mean, it was so, there was nothing to the card. I mean, I'll say this. The knockout of Mike Jackson was scary. There was oh, I saw some, that. I saw that. There were some moments on the card that were awesome. But we're going to get to another fight that, that kind of didn't do anything for me, even though it was fight of the night. But let's let's move down to Jonathan Martinez ruining my entire night by just walloping Cub Swanson. Jonathan Martinez leg kicks, his kicks in general – are just phenomenal. He packs so much heat into those things. And even though Cub said that he popped a rib or something in the first round and the or in the first minute of the uh, first round, it man, I I feel like it was an inevitable thing to happen regardless of whether the 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 rib was popped or not. I just think that one 135 is not a good fit for Cub Swanson. And two, the other thing that I noticed, aside from the fact that Cubby is always tough and trying his best and everything, is that Cub's reflexes are much slower. He has lost quite a bit of his speed. 38 is not uh, not an age you want to be at the highest level of, uh, of the sport because Cub's still sitting in... I believe he's still in the top 15 or just outside of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not to interrupt, but he's, you don't want to be 38, especially at the uh, sub uh, sub middleweight Mm -hmm. weights. I mean, the older, older guys seem to do well at heavyweight, light heavyweight, but you get down here, it's like fast twitch muscles are super important and Mm -hmm. people are athletic fast. There's just a larger pool of athletes they're drawing from. I don't, uh, I mean, the problem with Cub is he's still, he still can fight. The guy mm-hmm. is not like completely washed. The problem is here's a guy that, yes, maybe he was never a real champion title contender type fighter at the very, but he was the next tier. He was, he is a, he was an elite, elite fighter for years. And it, I, it's not quite enjoyable to watch him just turn into a journeyman. Right. And that's and, the problem. And he's turning into that to guys like Jonathan Martinez. And I don't want to take anything from Jonathan Martinez because he appears to be a guy on the rise, but he's not there yet. We're, we're in that next tier down. You've got the champion tier and then, then you've got the, the guys that are preventing barrier to entry into the champion tier. And then you have the next tier, which is mid tier. And I feel like that's, where Jonathan Martinez is, he's working his way up, but still Cub didn't used to lose to mid-tier guys. Yeah. I I would put Martinez, the class I call as legitimate UFC fighters because they let anybody in now, but it's, there's a certain group of guys you see, oh yeah, you'll be here for a while. You can, you can win enough that you're not going anywhere. I look at Jonathan Martinez and actually see good things for him. He's a good fighter. Yeah, I I can't say from this fight though. I just because part right, of it, maybe right. maybe the rib was a problem. Part of it, it just it did not look like Cubs gained like he he normally has a speed advantage and it had nothing. It didn't seem he had that at all this fight. And 
And the leg, the leg kicks. Yeah, the collapse was that was actually that was one of the most vicious leg just collapses from a leg kip I've seen in a while. And it happened twice within twenty seconds of each other yeah. too. And that that was that was very telling. All right, so we are going to move past that dull and dreary thing because, man, that broke my heart. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's dull and dreary, but yeah, it was it not an dull enjoyable. and dreary, but it was dreary. You yeah, know, it, yeah, it was dreary to me because you know. Hey, nothing I is like but we have, we have we have an emotional attachment to Cub Swanson. That guy, we've been watching him for years, enjoying him. And, and I've interviewed it's... him no less than 20 times because when I first got started, Cub and I were friends. Uh, I, my co-hosts were Ryan Loco and Evan Showman. And so we were all real close. And Cub, there was a period where Cub was coming on the show like every other week. I mean, Cub came on our show when he had his jaw wired shut and basically grunted throughout the whole show. <laughs> Talk through his teeth and everything. But yeah, he had his jaw wired shut back in, I want to say, 2008. See, I I don't like Cub because back in the WC days, I gave him $100 and he never paid me back. So I kind of hold a grudge. I didn't know. But that's, (laughs) yeah, I've been watching him since. I mean, I'm sure you, I mean, you interviewed him at the time, the WEC days. That's you. That's well, how I long actually, he's been in the sport. I've actually interviewed him before his WEC days. King, that's King of the Cage I, days? Is that what you're going through? He he also did one for, um, hang on, I'll, I'll tell you what the name of the. Um, I'm sure it's some dinky California. It, it is. It's so cal. It was run by a woman. I can't oh. hold on. Let me just look at the uh, his fights, and I'll tell you which one oh, okay. it was. Didn't he start in Mexico? Wasn't he one of those guys that got to start in Mexico before California Total made it legal? Total Combat. That's what it was. Total Combat. Yeah, but they also ran events in SoCal and in San Diego. Um, like if you look uh, at his when his his. Um, rematch with Shannon Googerty where he knocked him out back mm. in 2006 they had actually moved total combat out of Mexico and into S- southern California and it was at Avenue B that's where they had ha- you know it was that little uh, convention center i think it was called Avenue B or something like that but he used to fight there but um and then he uh bounced back and forth between there and King of the Cage and then some little something called BIB I don't know what that one is. And then, you know, WEC after that. But he's such a nice person. That's the thing that really gets me. And and genuinely nice. There's not a bad thing I could ever say about Cub other than it's sad to see him get old. Yeah, it's sad. That's why that's why I, I dislike watching older fighters continue because it's like you're you're dashing my, you're ruining my memories. I shouldn't say ruining, that's a strong word because they're, you know, they're just doing what they do is fight, but mm-hmm. it's it's the my memories are so strong of the positive that you you know used to do. I don't want to be filled up with memories of you losing now. Yeah. And the other thing too is um Cubs also um unique in that he really embraces boxing. And he actually has good boxing. I mean, he trained for years with what's his name, um, Tim Bradley, right? It was yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still these stories taught. Yeah, yeah he's always he boxed do. for years with Tim Bradley out of Tim Bradley's gym, and he really honed his craft there for a while. Cub was knocking everybody out. I mean, and he and he was looking pretty doing it too because his technique is fire. I like watching him box. If I remember right, uh, Swanson uh, Cub he went to the same school as Tim Bradley. That's how they knew mm-hmm. each other. Yeah, like right. high school or something. I remember the, these stories. Remember these stories? Do whenever they were the, the fight was coming up, they'd ask the other guy about you know what's ha- going to happen in their fight. Yep. So that was uh, uh, we're just boring the hell out of all the yeah, young but listeners. Still, I mean, Cub's special, so he deserves this extra bit of shine. So. If they don't like it, too bad. Now, we are going to move to the fight of the night. Dusko Todorovic uh, defeated Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright is not built, not only for the UFC. I think that he needs to work seriously on his cardio and his his gut. You know what I mean? I just feel like he he's willing to give up too soon. I mean, he does really well for about three and a half, four minutes, and then it it's like he shits the bed. And yeah, I, I don't want to bad mouth the fight, but I, I I didn't even tune in because I don't, it's hard for me to get worked up to watch 
two guys that are both like one and three in their last four fights Thanks. and and in the middle of the and not and not not one and three at the top of the division i mean that's the mean thing to say kind of but it's just it's just another fight and, and there were other really stuff going is. on and the problem i had with it is that in jordan wright's corner they tell him you got this you got this you could do two more two more rounds standing on your head and he shit his cardio shit the bed <laughs> like literally 10 seconds later when they sent him out he literally just i feel like he quit on himself but uh, more than that i mean it was clear doesn't todorovic was going to win but not until it got into that second round because he took a walloping in that first three, three and a half minutes from Jordan Wright. And that walloping seemed to take something from him. His, this fight, everybody was all like, oh, what a great fight. I found that there were great moments, but the fight as a whole kind of was slow in plotting and both guys were kind of winded. It looked like Dusko Todorovic was having to reach down from his feet to find energy to finish the guy off. That's well, what it looked like so, to it's me. That, it's that old Frank Mir. I think he's paraphrasing Frank Shamrock, actually, that cardio is a is a submission, is a form of submission. Yeah. That I mean, you you can't, when you're too, you don't have the energy, the strength, you you give up, you submit. And so maybe that's what, I, did, I can't comment. I didn't watch the fight, so. It was not, you know what, I don't, I would have never, if this fight were up against the lowest, ugliest fight of the night that I've ever seen, that's where I would put it. I didn't find it that all that. I just hate watching guys go through the motions because their arms are so heavy and they're having to huff and puff and they have to lift their feet and keep moving forward. It just seemed like a slog. I don't know. I'm I'm not saying it was a boring fight because it was not, but it was kind of, I, I mentioned last night, it was kind of ho-hum. It's not quite boring, but it's not exactly the excitement that everybody seems to be drumming up around it. I didn't find anything spectacular about it at all. Mm. So we're going to get to Rafael Asuncao defeating Victor Henry. Now, Victor Henry actually is pretty decent. He's a lower tier guy, mid tier guy, but he's pretty good. And Rafael Asuncao decided he was going to... He was definitely going to send that man home winless. And I mean, he looked good in there, but again, this is a lower tier guy. This is a guy that, you know, five years ago, six years ago, Asuncio was supposed to be. So seeing him do that is, is good. And I'm glad to see at least one of the old guys on the card get a win. Yeah, no, I I didn't see this fight, but Asuncio had, you know, uh, it's he needed the win bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he lost like four in a row, five or three. I don't know. He lost a lot of fights in a row before this. So and he's been struggling since his peak when he was supposed to, you know, when he was at the very top of the division. You, you forget he was, you know, one of the top guys. Yeah. He Major really contender is. for a while, like around what around the time of the sale of the UFC. Yeah. You know, lost to TJ Dillashaw, but uh, he needed it. So I, I just again, I mean, it sounds harsh, maybe maybe I'm being too mean, but it's just. It's hard for me to get worked up. Uh, I'm watching the sport MMA, not just to see, you know, like guys beat each other up. I, I, for me, this is me personally. I watch it to see the progress, the division, who's moving up, who can, you know, the constant idea of who's going to challenge for the title. And, and it's hard for me to get worked up for guys that are really long losing streaks still at the top in these cards. So. I agree. You, you have a very, very valid point. And with these watered down cards, it's really hard to separate those things now. Uh, although I should comment that uh, the that the fight nights are kind of weak is not so bad because then all the decent fights are actually on the pay per view, right. which is if you're going to pay for some, it's good to have everything on that. So you can skip the three fight cards in a row and then just show up for that fourth one and get the vast majority of important fights. So in a weird way, that's better for fans. Yeah, I think you're right. I still, though, as someone that covers the sport, I would still like to see a little bit more beef in these cards. We are the fans, and we are paying for that ESPN um, subscription. ESPN Plus, yeah. yeah. So we are paying for that. We are paying for our cable. Um, and and we are buying the, the, the pay-per-views. So I feel like 
you have to build those pay-per-views through good fight cards. And I don't feel like we're getting those. Well, yeah, I mean, truthfully, I mean, again, it's nice that everything's on the pay-per-view, so you don't have to watch everything. But the ultimate way I would do it is I would spread a top three fights, let's say, on the fight night should be very good quality fights. The pay-per-view, the pay-per-view part, maybe one or two fights in the prelims before that should be very strong. But I would not care then about the rest of the card. The problem is when they do that, they don't stack all the most important fights at the top. They they start spreading them out to get you to watch the entire block of stuff. And like that's where I can't stand it. It's like I want to see everything condensed in one spot. So but I can focus on the to... fights that matter, and then move to the next card, and then move to the next. But they need to make sure that people are tuned in to ESPN, though. So that's why they're spreading it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a financial decision. But I'm saying to me as a personal, as a fan, I prefer that. But for them, yeah, I mean, listen, I can't say they're doing something wrong. They're making a billion dollars a year. Right. All right. Next up, we have Alonzo Minifield. My goodness, that KO of Misha Serkinov. Another another guy there, Misha Serkinov. Golly. Yeah, he's, uh, again, I, I, the, the same, repeating myself, multiple losses in a row. It's hard to get. I mean, he's a, God, I think he, coming into this card, remember we were talking about this, he won two of his previous eight fights. So uh, it's, th- that's the type of stuff, like it's hard to get worked up to watch that. But I'll say this, didn't, Metafield's the guy that lost to uh, William Knight, right? Yeah. And that kind of like the, they both gassed in that fight and looked ripped. But uh, but besides that, he actually he's got a you know he's got a string of wins, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He sure so does. They, maybe he's better than I gave him credit for. <laughs> I'll tell you who's really good and is on my radar, and I will pick him because one of the credos of this podcast is fight an exciting fight, and Mana Martinez defeating Brandon Davis was something that was a split decision, but that was a hardcore fight. And I liked it. I did like this fight. Um, yeah. I, I didn't see that, but, uh, uh, Brandon Davis is, uh, yeah, the one good thing I'll say <laughs> mm-hmm. is he only, he's only coming. I don't think he had a long losing streak. He's a guy coming off several wins before actually, no, he's, I, he's on, ter- isn't he a guy with a terrible UFC record? No, he had. He's only lost his last two. He lost that to Vaccarel Dana and Menah Martinez, but he had a four-fight win streak before that. But, oh, but it's all I remember... in some place called Gulf Coast MMA. He had, the, and this is his second time in. Oh, that's why. Because I remember he, he lost to a uh, uh, Giga Chikazi, right? Right. But, that's the I guy. Mean, he also lost to Zabit. Enrique Barzola, Kyung Ho Kang. I mean, uh, Kyung Ho Kang and and uh, is you know mid tier, but Enrique Barzola is starting to look really good, right? So or yeah, so he... his his UFC record, he is not. Uh, this, see, this is okay. Again, I'm gonna negative na- negative Nash here. Like we were talking earlier, like Jonathan Martinez is a guy that's proven he's UFC caliber. He deserves to be in the mix for a long time. Now, nothing against Brandon Davis, but there's this type of fighter like you've proven you can't really fight consistently at this level, and yet you're still in the UFC. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when people say, oh, he's UFC quality caliber of fighter, that doesn't mean anything anymore because it's just who they let in. It does. There's no. There's nothing that says, oh, you have to be a certain standard of fighter to get in the UFC. They'll let you in and let you stay there long past the point that you've proven that you really can't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, the barrier for entry used to be much higher. All right, oh. so we're going to get to Nick Maximoff uh, coming out of the, the Diaz camp, just dropping the ball massively. And and not only dropping the ball, Jacob Malkoon is a tough SOB and he is worth his salt. He did very well in this fight. Nick's, Nick Maximoff, man, I think it was too soon for him to be in the UFC. He drops now to, I believe, let's see here. What is he at now? He's lost his last two. So he uh, is now eight and two. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, eight and uh, hold on. Okay. I'll let you. I'll let you yeah, get that. He's eight and two. I'm sorry. Oh. Six and two. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, but the point I'm making here is that, you know, he came in with so much hype and he clearly has some some physical gifts, but putting it all together and getting these wins uh, seems to be a, a difficult task for him. I don't even know if I want to give him one more fight. 
Oh, well, I mean, he's a pretty young guy, though, still, isn't he? He is. Maximoff, okay. he's really young. And and the difference is, uh, I'll say this about Malkoon, is he's he's a UFC caliber. We were talking about earlier. He's a UFC caliber guy. He's proven it. I mean, Brent, he lost. Uh, we saw him lose to Brandon Allen. Wasn't that's that the it. guy he lost to? Yep, that's it. That, Okay, so Brandon and Brandon Allen's a pretty good fighter. Yes, he is. So it's like there's no shame in that, but he has wins in the UFC beyond that. So it's like he can. We know he can hang. So I, I think Mac, the problem with Maxwell, he probably maybe he came in the UFC too soon. He That's needed to rack up said. a bunch of. Uh, well, I'm doing what I do with Eugene. I'm just repeating what you said, but doing it in a way that gives me credit. <laughs> Yeah, I just think that he wasn't ready, and I'm ready to send him back out to the regionals and let him rack up some wins. It's way too soon for some 21, 22-year-old guy to come in and just keep taking L after L because he's not ready. Well, the the thing is, though, like we said before, you don't have to send guys to UFC the regionals anymore. Just pit them against the the fighters that we said earlier that are on like that win only two out of eight fights. Two out of you know, there's there's a lot of bad you fighters in the ufc you can pit young guys against true 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 um yeah i I think you're you're on to something there but still he's already lost two now so i mean one yeah, more well, and we got to put him to the regionals one more because he came in with so much hype and he is not delivering at all put him back put him back in contenders there you go see i i'm totally down for that Give another contender shot, but I just uh, the problem is with it. Even though the UFC has a lot of guys that are not that good, you could pit these young guys to develop them. I don't think the matchmakers want to spend any energy on that. They'll, 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 there's a few guys they'll do that for, you know, that they're building up. But for the vast majority, they're like, we're not going to spend time to develop the fighters. You get you either win or lose, yeah. in or out. All right. So next up, we get to a guy that is also on my radar, Joe Anderson Brito, getting that submission over Lucas Alexander. Uh, He made it look just breezy. I mean, he went in there and just took care of business with that rear naked choke very fast. Did it in like a minute and a half. Wow, I, I should have looked up the highlight on Twitter, and I didn't. I'm so. sorry, two minutes, excuse me. Two, two, well, two minutes, that's too long. minute and a half, I would have watched it. Two <laughs> minutes, that's just 30 seconds too much. Uh, next up, we have Piero Rodriguez defeating Sam Hughes. Nothing to it. Unanimous decision. Now, here's another guy that I'm very, very interested in, and that's Tatsuro Taira defeating CJ Vergara. That mm. sub was nasty, too. I really dug it. I will watch him going forward. He's exciting. But that was a nasty arm bar. Yeah, he's. we talked about before that he's a, really a prospect to watch. But mm-hmm. we, just because of placement on the card, an opponent, we couldn't couldn't make it a care. But he's he's a definite guy I'm interested in. Every, I mean, everybody that's that does the scouting for young fighters and prospects claims that guy's the real deal. So. Yeah, for sure. And then we get to Pete Rog- uh, Pete Rodriguez. I wanted to call him Pete Rock. <laughs> Pete Rodriguez absolutely decimating Mike Jackson. And boy, talk about I love Mike Jackson. He's a real nice guy and everything. But I, I would like to say that the UFC is definitely not for him. But yeah, he's that, a nice yeah. person. I will say. How, I mean, how, wait, how old is, is Jackson? He's, he's in his 30s. <laughs> Is he? I thought he was older than that for is some he? reason. He is 37. Yeah. He's 37. Yeah, so he's getting up there. He's He does other stuff besides fight. I mean, it's, he, uh, yeah, it's not a, I I actually, I thought it's nice that they gave him another fight, but they done him dirty by not giving him someone that's, yeah. you know, uh, terrible. <laughs> that's exactly. the, you know, he needs uh, he, the level he's at, but I I guess that's the way they're going to do it. It's it just now someone's got a highlight reel of, and that was nasty. That was that was vicious. It sure was. So we are going to move on into our breakdown of UFC 280. And since Eugene is not here, John gets the duties of bringing it in. So give us our disclaimer, John Nash. Oh, boy. Here we go. So uh, crybabies, bedwetters, greedy bread gobblers, work shy individuals, Fault, find, uh, fault finders. I, I was trying. I was working on this the other day. Malinger, malingers. Uh, okay, this has less to do with your skills. Well, this is Eugene's thing, not mine. So this has less to do with your skills and talents as a fighter 
and more to do with the marketing heft put behind you by your overlords at the uh at the, the 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 juggernaut that is the uh, that is the Endeavor Business Empire. Uh, if you don't like being on the don't care side, uh, the the answer is simple: just fight an exciting fight. Otherwise, don't come crying to us, you losers. <laughs> you did all right, man. You did. Oh all right. God, I just, I just uh, the list is hard. That's the hard part. <laughs> As always. Uh, we are working from the Tapology Quick Sheet from the bottom up. That order is subject to change. And first up on the card, we have a women's bantamweight bout between Lena Landsberg and Carl Rosa. I think that's a very serviceable fight because Carl Rosa has very good striking. Lena Landsberg seems to have pretty decent uh, grappling. I don't care. It doesn't matter in in the division. But it's it's a good fight to start the card with, you know, because it'll probably be um, exciting. Yeah, it's actually it is close to being a yeah, it's a rel- close, it's, a, it's, it's actually in the fringe relevancy. So yeah, but it's so early on the card. There are that's, only fourteen fights. Yeah, that, okay, that is that's the problem and right for, there. For you, it's really early in the day. It starts at oh my god, it starts at ten a.m. Eastern. Oh, that's actually great. Because then I get my day. I, I hate when it's at night. I honestly, I love afternoon. Or, you know, but you don't like to wake up at seven a.m., John. Don't lie. Yeah, well, even if I do, I'm not gonna. I don't like to wake up and go. I'd like to like take a shower or do uh, something else or go I, hiking. I, so I, I, I'm gonna wake up and oh my god, Lena Landsberg is fighting. Got to race up. Yeah, no, I gotta be honest. There's no way in hell I'm gonna <laughs> get up and watch that. I gotta be there's, uh, but it's not like a bad fight. If you're up and around doing stuff bored, it's it's a decent. It's a decent UFC fight. Yep. And then they're keeping the ball rolling with another outstanding fight here. This is the first really outstanding fight, I think. Muhammad Mokayev. I love this kid. He's that young, young flyweight with the excellent wrestling. And he's taken on Malcolm Gordon. Um, This is good progression, I think, for Mokayev. They're not like racing him to the top, but they're they're giving him decent fights. He's already beaten Cody Durden. He's already beaten Charles Johnson. Now they're giving him Malcolm Gordon. Um, I'm looking forward to it. However, it's early on the card, and Mohamed Mokayev is not where he needs to be yet for me to actually uh, want to recommend that somebody get to their seat at about 7.30 in the morning. Oh, he's close to being it though. He's yes, like he's um, super I, close. But last yeah. I look at Fight Matrix, he's almost in the top. He's like 20, 26, 27 in the, mm-hmm. at flyweight, which is oh not quite there. But I think he's going to run through him. Yeah, me too. So, uh, but am I going to tell somebody race over to watch this at seven thirty in the morning? No. Oh yeah, it's not. It's not. If it's on, like definitely pay attention to this guy. It's on. You should watch this guy. But it's not like go out of your way to see it. All right. Next up, Armin Petrosian is taking on AJ Dobson at middleweight. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. Don't care. Yeah, it's I I, I was I've been interested in Armin Petrosian, but uh, no. I need to see him go a little further because he does yeah. have that win over Gregory Rodriguez and. That's a pretty decent win to have, but uh, I need him to do more. So. Well, he's yeah, he's he's a guy that they people have high expectations, and he's kind of stumbled in the mm-hmm. UFC, I guess. Yeah. But uh, he's he, he's outside, just outside. Route. If he won a couple good wins, he's he's a guy I'll really pay attention to. Yes. Now, next up, we have uh, Abubakar Nurmagomedov taking on Gadzi Omar Gadziev. And this is at Welter. This is probably where, yeah, I'm, I'm going to care because both of these guys are good. Um, they are probably inside the top 25 um, or at least the top 30. But uh, this is where I maybe begin to, uh, you know what, I'm going to pass. I think Welter is deep enough where I can, I can uh, comfortably say that I'll probably eyeball this, but won't recommend it. Yeah, I don't think either is actually in the uh, entered the ratings high enough to be in the relevant. But they're the guys to pay attention. When did Nurma Gomedov Nurma uh become the Silva of last names? Uh, right. It's everywhere. But anyway, uh, I will. 
yeah, I'm not. I can't. I can't. It's not like I think it's bad, but it's not a fight I can say I, I actually care about. Like, I have to watch. Right. Now, next up, we get to um, Lightweight, and we're looking at Yamato Nishikawa taking on Magomed Mustafaev. This is outside relevancy for me. Um, it's probably a fight to keep your one of your eyes on, but am I going to recommend it? No. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not relevant enough. In fact, I don't even know if one of them's been ranked on. I use Fight Matrix, and I, I think one of them um, is outside the top hundred or something. So, all right. Next up, Lucas Almeida is taking on Zubaira Tukugov. Don't care. They're outside of relevancy at featherweight. Yeah, it's the same. These are all I mean, banger fights, though. I'm sure they're going to be interesting and possibly exciting, but I need a little bit of relevancy here. And this is where John's probably going to be happy because it looks like it's all top heavy. Yeah, that's I like to see that. But I mean, yeah, I, this the thing is, these are guys for the most part that have shown that they can hang in the UFC. So that's the good thing. Yeah. It's not like the bad fight nights where like, what is that guy still doing here? Right. Now we get to light heavyweight Vulcan Uzdemir taking on Nikita Krylov, or Krylov, however you say it. Um, this unfortunately matters because it is in the <laughs> rankings. I will take Vulcan Uzdemir because I, I do feel like he's a step above Nikita Krylov. So I'll take Uzdemir. Yeah, I, um, I, I, it's funny because it's... It definitely is relevant on the ratings, but it's not a fight I'm excited. I just, the, I think these guys have already hit, hit their peak in the oh, division. Uzdemir. They're not going. They're not going anywhere. Ustamir but... definitely. Nikita Krylov is long past. His. Oh yeah, so it's like they're just hanging on to because they keep fighting top guys. There's, but it's still it's relevant. So my rules on relevancy. So I, I'm gonna. But I think um, I'm actually gonna go Kry, uh, Nikita. Okay. Krylov. Krylov? Now, now I'm confused I'll on how you pronounce Eugene's the name. I'll read picks at the end because I forgot to do them as we went. So I will read his picks at the end. Please don't let me forget that, John Nash. Uh, it's already forgotten. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Mahmoud Muradov taking on Kayo Barayo. And I'll tell you what. Um, this isn't exactly relevant just yet, but I have my eye on Kayo Barayo. That guy's good. Um this is a, a very serviceable fight at middleweight. They're not quite where I want them to be yet, but I feel like after this, if Kayo beats Mahmoud Muradov, um, we should definitely start keeping our eyes on him. Oh, yeah. They're, they're outside relevancy right now, but if I remember right, uh, Kayo beat uh, Armin Petrosian yes, last time did. they fought. Yes, he did. So, if so, we, we were, you know, we're talking about how Armin's on almost care, you know, he's up, but this, so Kyle's really in almost care. Yeah. But I agree with you. It's like, it's just, it's just outside relevancy. But if it's on, I'm definitely paying attention. All right. Next up, we have Sean Brady taking on Bilal Muhammad. Now, this, this is where it gets definitely good. I'll be caring about every fight moving forward. We are fully into oh no this is the featured prelim okay this is good so this is exactly how you want your card laid out because it's extremely top heavy you just need to tune in for this fight and then work your way up through the main card yeah and if i tune in a little well actually i could tune in in the uh the vulcan nikita fight and where I cared, and then even though I'm not going to care about uh, the Murata of uh, Brian, it's still an acceptable fight for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, but from yeah, from then on, it. I'm upset. That's exactly how it should be. That I don't have to sit through five, eight hours of mm. fights all day to see what I, the, the, what's important. I can show up, get my three, four done, done evening. Well, this this is yeah. more than three or four, man. Every fight from here on. Oh, I'm at really three or four hours. Sorry about that. Oh yeah, yeah, Th yeah. This <laughs> is such a good card um, from from this point on. But I am, um, man. Sean Brady's so good, but so is Bilal. I just I don't know. I don't know if Brady's gonna get past that impenetrable defense that Bilal has. And Bilal yeah, has learned how to use his jab very, very well too. Uh, I, to me, it's uh, I could see it going easily either way, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to. It's a coin toss. I son of a. We need Eugene to like uh, sit there and, and ponder about useless information to make his decision. <laughs> so uh, okay, I got to go Bilal because 
When was what was uh, Brady's last win? Hold on, and I will tell you. I'm trying to. Think. He's 15 oh, and 0, and his last win was um, Kiesa. Wow, and he beat Matthews before that. Okay, that's not that's not. Okay, been, he's been, undefeated. Been. He also has a win over Leon Edwards. Jeez. Yeah, I know, but the, and then you look at Blaw's last few wins. I remember he beat uh, Vincent uh, Luke and, uh, yeah, and well, Stephen. Th- I don't get much to Stephen Thompson anymore, to be honest. And, and but, Luke, damn. his chin is finally starting. Yeah, I mean, there's always. It's a you know, it's a coin toss. Where's my random Dungeon and Dragons dice? So I can just make my decision here. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm going with Brady. The, the I one through three was Bilal. Four through six was uh, Brady. I got a five, so it's Brady. Okay, Brady. All right, so both of us are going with Brady. I as again, as I mentioned earlier, I will give Eugene's picks at the end. Uh, and I mentioned that because Caitlin is fighting, and he, you know, and he, I don't know if he cared about this fight or not, but he, I hope he did because. Manon Fioro is the future, in my opinion, and I believe she's going to beat Caitlin Shukajian. Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I, I think that's how I see it too. She's, uh, I, I don't, though I don't think it's a guarantee. There's, there, we haven't seen enough of uh, Fioro to, to know 100 she's going to, you know, how good I, she really yeah. is. But I, I, I have faith that she'll yeah, win this fight for sure. Next up, we get to an outstanding fight. I love this fight so much. Benil Dariush versus Mateusz Gamrot. Wow. This is a banger of a fight. I'm taking Gamrot here. Loser fight. You can see the same thing in LFA. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so uh, uh, you're taking – who are you taking I'm this taking one? I'm taking Gamrot. Okay. I'm going to – shit. I, I was going to make it interesting, but I honestly, I think he'll win. Yeah. So I got to take him too. All right. But I again, that's another fight. I'm not 100 percent confident. I'm not either. Thing. But I mean, they're both excellent grapplers. It's just that Gamrot has uh, the uh, the the wrestling chops, and Benil has the the jujitsu chops. So watch that. Now it's going to take place 100 percent on the feet <laughs> because they cannot possibly give us what we crave. Oh yeah, it's like you know, it's like when we finally got Jake Shields, John Fitch. It's actually they, no, that that turned a little grappling, didn't it, for a while? Mm-hmm. Okay, so never mind. That was a bad example. But we 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 want Sakuraba, Carlos Newton every time, and we never get that. There, that's man, perfect, perfect, perfect description right there. All right, next up, Piotr Jan taking on Sean O'Malley. Well, I know I mean, where I'm going with this on. one. Yeah, me too. Yawn. Yeah, I mean, I'll listen, there's a chance, O'Malley, because he is, he strikes hard. He's very accurate that he's he catches fast. him. But I I think this this is an example of O'Malley jumping up way too fast and not being ready to be in the deep end with this guy. I don't think so. so. I think this is perfect progression. O'Malley's been in the UFC for quite a while, and I feel like they've been baby-stepping him along. Oh, so yeah, I, they I, have, but I, I think you could have, you, you don't have to go to the very top of the division. You could have gone the, there's, there's the, the number five the, through 10th guy is available for him. But he is in the top though. I mean, hang on. Let me, I know you like to use fight matrix rankings, but yeah. Well, I just use it cause it's not, it's, it's, they're not the best, the best rankings of all time. And I'm going to go I on know, my soapbox, but... the UF, the, the bloody elbow SB nation, USA today consensus rankings. But the one thing I like about Fight Matrix is they're not based on they're not promotional rankings. So you have every you know you have everybody mushed together and they're and they're uh, and they're not being influenced by the promoters. Okay, so I, I will give you your your snaps. You are right in a sense. Hedrion is at the top. He's the number one contender. Sean O'Malley is in the rankings, but he's the number 12 contender. So you might be onto something with them moving him slightly too fast. I would have rather have seen Sean O'Malley uh, rematch Marlon Vera, who is way up at number five. That is That makes more sense to me, and it has a lot of drama around it, especially the way Sean went on and on and on and on after that fight, declaring that he never really lost it. Marlon Vera would smoke him again. But... We, we get Petr Jan, which is even better. 
So yeah, I mean, even even I mean, Petter, Corey Sanhagen is uh, is even a better. Though I think he would kill him, but I think. To me, it was the choices should have been Pedro Munoz not available right now, I guess, but Song or or Vera or you know some, one of those guys, Vera someone in between. Been, yeah, Vera would have been good, but Vera's moved so far that you know Vera's in a position to challenge for the title. He's number five. Yeah, so but I just think there's a there's a there's a big drop off after Jan and the rest of the uh, the top ten. I mean, they just he is. He keep he kicked the crap out of a lot of the guys in the top ten already. So yeah. it's I, I just think I don't know. It's it's way too big a step for him. But who knows? He, the problem is he could. He, there always is a chance he surprises you. He has that type of game where he has you know the potential for upset. But I don't see it. I don't either. All right, we get to our co-main event now. Aljamain Sterling versus T.J. Dillashaw, the Snake versus the guy that's out here defending. Andrew Tate. <laughs> yeah. And I am having a really hard time wrapping my head around that because Aljo's typically one of your more intelligent fighters for the most part. But man, I don't know what's happening here. Uh, I think Andrew Tate has pulled the wool over young Aljamain's I, I I'm sure Andrew Tate appeals to a large percentage of fighters. Fighters, the, the, the fighter, the, the, the majority of fighters my experience have uh, authoritarian, and I don't mean like the political authoritarian. I mean the personality trait, authoritarian personality traits, hierarchical. So I'm not shocked. I'm not. I'm not shocked that Sterling would, you know, get along with the guy. And I'm, I'm sure Dillashaw likes to. I personally, I find Tate repulsive, and I find yeah. you know, and I get along with a lot of fighters, but the fighters have peculiar views. They certainly do. And you meant when we've talked about this before we started recording, you mentioned how many of them support Bolsonaro, and that's an excellent example right there. Yeah, it's a, again they have the, they're politically they're in a very different world than me. Even though I can hold a conversation with them, we probably get along. But politically, ideologi- ideologically, they 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 just have a, a completely different worldview than I have. The, yeah. For the most part, not all. There's a lot that you know. There there's your occasional Nate Corys and stuff that go against the grain. But yeah. uh, for the most part, for the men, the women are different. I think for the women, you see a, a, a little different uh, composition of their their belief system. Mm. So. When we're looking at Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw, I'm looking at Aljo's wrestling. And I'm also looking at the fact that he has come so far with his striking that his striking is actually good. I can say that confidently. His striking is good these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but not great, but it's good. It's not great, but it's leaps and bounds from where it used to be. Right. And, and he has, with that wrestling threat, it does. It, and, a lot of guys get left open because they're so they're so nervous about getting in the clinch or being taken down by him. I mean, if you look at his fight with Petr Jan, most of it took place on the feet and he outboxed Petr Jan. Yeah. Piotr Jan, excuse me. Piotr Jan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. You mangle every name and then you're going to be Am like, I oh, pronou- Piotr Jan. You know what? I pronounce it perfectly and it's just that the, <laughs> the people don't know their own names. That's the problem. They mispronounce their own names. It's not my fault. Uh, I have perfect pronunciation. Um, you know what? TJ Dillashaw does have good striking, though, and he's got a one-hitter quitter in him, too. Yeah, but He's also in, on the wrong side of 35. And, and the other thing, too, is the one-hitter quitter, sometimes it comes against guys that already have a cracked-up chin. And his win over uh, Cody Garbrandt, or wins, um, they don't hold as much weight. Uh, in my opinion, especially the way that Garbrandt has looked since. I mean, he got that that one that win over Sun Tzu, but that's it. So I have a hard time with this. I know he uh, quote, and I'm using my air quotes, beat San and Sandhagen last year, but did he really? Because I don't think he did. I had Sandhagen winning that fight. And I went back and watched it a, a few times. Not twice. Probably three or four times I watched. And Dillashaw didn't win that fight. So I'm looking at this. And I'm definitely picking Aljo to win. But I think TJ could possibly give him some some troubles there in the very early runnings. Yeah, yeah, I mean TJ obviously is one of the the top level elite members of the, of the weight the division. The thing is, even though he's not much older than Sterling, he started. I think he started professionally about the same time. He's been against the 
the higher levels of the of the division for a longer time. And there's a there's just people age in the sport differently. And you and I look at him and I look at a guy. I think he's definitely not the fighter he was right. a few years ago. And that's where that's why I got to go with Sterling. Sterling's still closer to his peak. Sterling too is probably on his downward side based on his age and how long he's been in the sport, but he's still very close to his peak level where Dillashaw, I think he's the distance is starting to grow. And I think he's just not, he's a couple of years ago. I definitely would have chosen him over Sterling, but not, I just, now I can't I, again. Well, I give him a chance. Maybe he's got the fountain of youth. Maybe he's got a shot left in him, but. Uh, well, Sterling is only 33. I think he is like, definitely right dead in the middle of his prime and he just turned 33 like two months ago yeah, well yeah and, and usually your prime though in fighting it's i guess you younger under 30 probably your athletic prime but then there's that part where you get the knowledge the but skill the know that and that so he probably right in that that perfect spot where he still retains enough of his athleticism but he knows all the little tricks but all you got to remember, Aljo had a lot of injuries and surgeries, and he's pulled out of a bunch of fights. So he his fight age is not the same as TJ Dillashaw's, despite starting around the same time. Now, I know uh, they have, uh, I believe, close to the same amount of fights, but Aljo fought a lot more early on. But since his UFC days, though, I, he's had some injuries. He spread out his fights very, very well. I think he'll be in his prime a little bit longer than most of these guys because he spaced his fights out. Not yeah, well, any fault I'm, of his own because he had injuries and surgeries. I think he's had like a hand surgery. He's definitely had a neck and back surgery because he like bro uh, he popped vertebrae. Um, like a complete uh, cervical spine rupture, I believe. And, you know, he he's just, I just feel like he doesn't have as much wear and tear in a concentrated point that TJ Dillashaw has had almost since his arrival in the UFC. Now, I know Dilly had that, that couple of years off from his blood doping thing. And that also makes me wonder how much of his top performances uh hold weight now that there's no blood doping well you know let's let's not let's not say there's no blood doping. I'm maybe they just got really good at it right <laughs> but you know what i'm saying yeah. i, I just, sure tj dillashaw is definitely in this fight but i i can't pick any other way than aljamain yeah I, I gotta go with jermaine i thought that one thing too is interesting about like the you know, fight age is even though fighting a lot of guys is hard on you, but it, when you're fighting a lot of guys at low level and you're doing it like every couple months See, and you're putting in you a go. two week training camp and they're not that good, that's a lot less wear and tear than, mm -hmm. than an eight week training camp for someone that's really good. Yep. That's, that's just beats the hell out of your body. So, you know, so who has more of those? I don't know. The other thing is who, you know, shoot box guys aged a lot faster than guys that, you know, didn't well, punch themselves I, in the face a lot. So I mean, shoot box guys were going hell for leather in the gym. Oh, it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, my it's, God. Have it's, you it's, seen the video that's circulating around with, with Vanderlei just absolutely... Oh, yeah. Just losing it. Oh, my God. Well, it's like, and then you got to go like the Militich systems, like how every day was, was supposed to be a war. And you're like, do you guys think maybe that's affecting your health nowadays? Yeah. Let's not, let's not train like that anymore. So, but uh, so yeah, I'm I got, on, I got to go with Sterling. I got to. I'm on so. Aljo's page here. And just looking at his amateur record, it's all condensed literally in a four four month span and he's got three he's got seven fights in a four month span okay that's how aljo packed in his fights in 2011 he fought one two three four in 2011 he fought five times that's when he made his pro debut so oh. all of his fights before he got to the ufc were come compressed in this very small window and even when he got into the ufc his first couple of fights um were okay five months apart and then he had three canceled fights but uh, all three of them were on the other side he had uh, Takeya Mizugaki and Johnny Eduardo in 2015. And then he ran into Brian Caraway in 2016. That was his only fight. 
because that was when he had his hand surgery. Then he lost to Rafael Asuncao in 2017. And then he got um, two more, three, three more. So he fought four times in 2017. He went two and two. That's, and, that's a good pace. But when you start and off then there. In 2018, two times. Two times in 2019. Once in 2020. Once in 2021. Once in 2022. So his pacing and his separation from fight to fight is absolutely stellar. He will maintain a prime a lot longer than most of these guys in these young weights. Well, it depends on how his surgeries went, though, too. How much his surgery holds up will be the question, too. There's any lingering problems from those. But, but yeah, yeah, I think he's... He looks, I mean, from based on, I mean, Jan was just destroying people, outclassing everybody. And he, he competed right there with him and beat him. So he's obviously at the top. I, okay. I'm going with, you, you convinced me I'm going with Sterling. All right. Um, now we're going to get to the main event. Boy, is this, <laughs> it feels like it's taken 20 years to get here. 20 years. But this, I'm salivating over this fight. Charles Oliveira taking on Islam Makachev. And this is so hard to pick. But I'm a diehard Chucky Olives fan. And not only does he have outstanding grappling, but he has put on a one-hitter quitter of his own. He's durable, too. A lot of people don't think he's durable. He is durable. He can come back from adversity. I mean, look at the Chandler fight. That's adversity right there, and he did just fine. I think that that Oliveira is in his man body now. This is a guy who is only 32. He just turned 32 uh no, he turns 33, I'm sorry, tomorrow. <laughs> so, he turns 33 tomorrow. Tomorrow, Monday. 10:17. Oh, happy birthday, Charles right? Oliveira. From us here at Care Don't Care, we love you Charles Oliveira and one of us is picking you for sure. Oh, that's good. I I mean this is our, one thing about Oliveira is you look at his record, he, he kind of is the example. People say, oh, fighters, you know, the, the records don't mean much in MMA. And and we always have these guys like you can't write people off. And I'm, I'm always quick to say, like, that guy's got a bunch of losses. He's really, you know, we should move on to someone else. Um, but he's the, he's the guy that proves me wrong because here's a guy I, I probably would have written off years ago. And yet somehow he, he discovered the – took his game to the next level, and now he's been incredible. So – but – and, and the other thing, too, is against his opponent, Islam, is that uh, uh, Makachev, is, as good as Makachev has been in the win streak he's been in, he hasn't, he doesn't got definitive wins against the top of the division. The top of the division has probably been avoiding him. He's got a ton of wins, but it's against, well, like Drew Dober's pretty good, but not, we're not seeing him against the, the Gaethje's and the Dustin Poyers when Poyer was at the top. You know, the, the other really elite level lightweights that are contending for the title he's beating the um you know the 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 bobby greens you know is good but nothing like nick lance those guys are not anywhere close to that level and so i don't know what's going to happen when he meets a truly elite lightweight but based on the way he's won based on just how good he's looked i i gotta go with i do think he is uh the he has a i gotta go with islam i, I i'm leaning slightly i wouldn't be shocked that if he loses i think it's close to a coin toss in my head but i i am leaning towards islam makachev all right well i am definitely taking chucky olives i think that uh I don't think that Makachev has fought at the level that Oliveira has. That's exactly what I just said. You're right. pulling on me. You're right. stealing my pat and repeat what the other person said. Let's just figure it, you know, turn about his yeah. third Okay. Way. So, yeah, I just, I can't get past that part, though. That's the point I'm making here. Yeah, that, that's that's level. my one big holdup on him. One big hang up is I, I look at that and I go, I just, there's nothing that he's done that's proven yet that he's really at the, this level. And the other thing too, is that even if his wrestling does do the trick and get Charles where he wants him to be, is he going to be able to smother Charles? Because guess what? Charles is outstanding off his back. Now, if this thing 
the one problem I have with Oliveira, and this has only happened two times in many, many years ago, is that Oliveira sometimes sticks his neck out and gets punished for it. I don't know that he's going to do that here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I really don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but he has two guillotine choke losses back to back at that way back in 2016. Well, one, the first one to Anthony Pettis, the second one to Ricardo um, Lamas. Um, and he also gets caught in every fight. So he does, but that's what I was saying. He's a lot more durable than people give him credit for. And he frequently comes back from adversity. So I'm not really worried. And I mean, it's not like Makachev has a one hitter quitter. Yeah. What Makachev has is stifling, crushing wrestling. But again, you know, this is Charles Oliveira. I got to take Oliveira. You're going to take Makachev. Well, truthfully, I'm not taking either. I'm taking Volkanovsky coming in the surprise last minute. <laughs> that, you know what? Winning the, winning the title. That would be so cool. I, uh, it really I, would. I, I, you know what? Honestly, though, I, I hate the idea that he, I just want I, somebody to throw a wrench in Dana's plans because you know Dana wants everything to go off without a hitch. Well, I but that wouldn't throw a wrench because they have him stand by. But I don't. People are kind of. I don't really like the idea that the number one pound for pound fighter is standing on standby to step in last minute instead of just booking the fight and letting guys get full training camps. It just, I don't know. That just seems weird to me. That just seems like it's against, I mean, I don't mind like last minute replacements for kind of like fun freak show. It didn't bother me that Nate Diaz stepped in to fight Conor McGregor because there's no time. But when you have the belt on the line, the whole idea is that this guy's at his best. This guy's at his best to show who's the best at that weight division. Not, oh, this guy stepped in the last minute and he wasn't ready for it. I mean, is, is the is it that Volkanovsky will, I mean, this will basically, if he, if he were to step in and win, he would get both belts, right? I mean, he would get the belt, right? So then he would be yeah. champ. Okay, I'm just making sure, absolutely sure. I mean, obviously it's it's the case, but I just want to be, be doubly sure that that is the case. I, I also think it's pretty good evidence that Volkanovsky is not getting a tremendous amount of money because mm-hmm. if he was getting huge, if he was getting like Gervonta uh, Davis money, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you know, I don't think the UFC would be paying him to sit on standby. Right. That kind of money, because that's, you know, that's more than the UFC is usually willing to pay. And that sucks because he's at the top of the pound for pound list, I believe. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you look at, uh, Cam- I mean, the easy comparison is Cambosis. Cambosis is not a great boxer, won the title, and look how much money he made in two fights. In three yeah. fights, he had them all up. He's made well over, he's well into eight digits in three fights combined. And that's when he, more, you when know. He, when, he, um, when he fought, uh, what's his face, Haney. Yeah, um, I think he, his guaranteed purse was something like eight million to fight Haney. Well, yeah, it's guaranteed. We actually know the details and stuff because of in Australia, there's some him and his manager are in kind of squabbles. But he got five million from the ESPN deals apparently, and then plus he got a huge chunk of the the pay per view right. sales and everything in in Australia. So you add it all up. And he probably got close to, you know, $7 million from that first fight, U.S. dollars, maybe yeah, more. the second fight, the guarantee was something like $8 million. Oh, no. For the second fight, it was uh, $2 million guaranteed from ESPN for uh, for uh, Campos's. But on top of that, he still got pay-per-view from that's, Australia. Yeah. So I he's just throwing a, that's a couple million more. So. Yeah. I read the estimates and they were saying that oh, he was clearing somewhere around eight, between eight and ten million for for that last fight that he just had. Oh, that the problem is the estimates of those websites just post bullshit, absolutely <laughs> made up numbers. Oh. So it's, but that's no, it's not. Everybody they, they repeat them all the time, so everybody looks at those. But that's I don't know when that started, but that's a trend that there's all these websites like Essential Sports and Sporkita or whatever. And they all just post like just made up numbers about the purses. <laughs> okay. Well, in any event, he made a lot of money. Yeah, and that's the guy you'd think. And and Volkanovsky's a bigger attraction in Australia. You could if he if if the UFC if he went in there and like was allowed to like book his own stadium and the UFC came there, he they could pack a fifty thousand stadium with him with the right opponent. I mean, there's no reason why he should not be making comparable money. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right. So what I'm going to do now is I am going to read Eugene's picks. And, oh, my God, Eugene has picked more than both of us. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. And I mean, I 
I know why he picked some of these because they're known associates, but I'm going to run down Eugene's list. He is picking Abubakar Nurmagomedov. He is picking Mustafayev and Nikita Krylov and Sean Brady. He is picking Benil Dariush and Piotr Jan. He is picking Aljamain Sterling and he is picking Chucky Olives, Charles Oliveira. Look at that. So to recap, John and I's picks. John is picking Nikita Krilov, Sean Brady, Manon Fioro, um, Mateusz Gamrot, Piotr Jan, and uh, Islam Makachev, and that's your picks. And then mine, I am picking Volkan Uzdemir, Sean Brady, Manon Fioro, Mateusz Gamrot, Piotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling, and... Charles Oliveira. So that's going to wrap up our picks and the show. John, what you got going on? Well, I got uh, a new episode of the Hey Not the Face podcast we did last week came out. So we got that uh, where we talk about the subject we kind of handed out here a little bit. We went over the, the difference between MMA and boxing, negotiations, pay, why that, why they are the way they are. More of a look at the, the structure of the sports, the industries, why they work the way they do. I got uh, We got an article well, a while ago. We did the one about one's finances. Uh I don't know if I have an article this week out, but I am on the uh, probably on if the shoes fits Tuesday based on how my schedule is at work and uh, got the care. Don't care next week where, you know, I do another victory lap. I probably might want I I do like three in a row, usually three out of four. So I think I'm due for one more victory lap. So, (laughs) oh, man. Well, you and I did have some pick differences, and we definitely had some pick differences with Eugene. So it should be interesting next week. Uh, remember, folks, Eugene is on tour, so he will not be back next week. It'll be John and I again, but uh, he will submit his tour. Pick. Tour is a euphemism for rehab. <laughs> a euphemism. Euphemism. <laughs> what, what, now, you, now you're going to correct my, my pronunciation when you, I, when you just mangle everybody's name? I didn't mangle everybody's name. I mangled one name. That's enough. That's enough for me to link <laughs> So do me a favor, follow John on Twitter at Hey Not The Face. Follow Eugene on Twitter at Eugene S. Robinson. And do us a favor, come back next week. Until then, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, The MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, The Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow Blog, and as always, on BloodyElbow.com.